before I get into where Paul George is rated in terms of how he's viewed within the NBA by fans and his fellow NBA players, I want to remind people, this isn't a put down Paul George show. It's asking a question and it's a legit question because obviously there are more than a few of you out there who consider Paul George overrated while there's just as many that consider him underrated. I think Paul George is by far one of the most talented players and versatile players in the NBA. He has the ability to have an impact on both ends of the floor, can guard multiple positions, can raise up from three. Matter of fact, the sneaky thing about Paul George is he's a terrific three-point shooter, and he has been for quite some time. If there's one drawback, I'm getting too far into this. Let me rewind a minute. I'm not 100% on how the analytics work with Anchor and other podcasting platforms. But what I do know that my grandmother always taught me, if someone takes the time out to do something for you, you say thank you. So I'm going to say thank you to the 90% of my listeners that are in the U.S., to the 4% in Ireland, good looking out, United Kingdom, France, Sweden, Netherlands, Germany, Puerto Rico, Canada, India, Russia, Haiti, South Africa, Nigeria. Good looking out. I appreciate you. I appreciate that you take the time to listen to what I have to say. The thing about doing podcast is it has to be a passion. It has to be something that you really want to do, that you really enjoy. Sure, down the line, anybody would want to make money. Anybody would want to find a way to brand themselves. But I like doing this. This is something I'm built for. It's in my DNA. Should at some point someone values what I have to say and share enough to, to put money to it, I'll be grateful. I'll consider myself blessed. But if it never happens, the life that I have right now, this life, I'm already blessed. And I'm already appreciative of anybody at any time that's ever actually listened to my show. And whether you agree with the points that I make about basketball or any other sports, it's just the fact that you gave me your ear, your time. Podcasting is a passion for me. And I think it is for a lot of others. In a weird way, I think that we push each other because we're always grinding. We're always trying to find our own way. I think that's a good thing. And I don't mean just in my genre, not just sports podcasts, who I have nothing but respect for all the brothers who do sports podcasts, be it NBA, NFL, MLB, or any other major sport. I'm with you. And I'll always try to take the time out to listen to you. That's real support. I can show you some love. I can shout out your show. And I can acknowledge your show by following you, subbing you, and letting you know I did that. We can play it forward for each other. And to the fam that listens on a weekly basis, I'm grateful. Truly, I'm grateful. I'm glad that you came with me on this journey. And I hope that you know, for me, it's just the beginning. Any accolade you want to heap on Ben Simmons, he's earned that. 
but 16 points, eight rebounds, and eight assists, that's a great stat line. But when you look at where he's ranked, at least on the Sixers, he's their second best player. And he doesn't have to be the second leading scorer, but he has to have the impact of a second best player. He's not just their second best player. We already know Ben Simmons is an all-star. He seems to be on that track to becoming a superstar. But to unlock himself, to evolve his game, he has to be more than 16, 8, and 8. He can be a terrific defender. But he has to be able to show up in a fourth quarter, find a way to generate offense for himself and his teammates. I think putting him at the four, obviously, if he grabs a rebound and he's in the open floor, it's going to create a lot of cross matchups that will favor the Sixers. I like him at the four. I don't think that's a, a quick fix or a solution to a lot of the, the Sixers' other problems. But inserting Shake Milton into the starting lineup, it does give them another person who can create off the dribble, who can shoot efficiently and get his own buckets. Now, Shake Milton is not a, a point guard. He's a two guard but he does have the ability to create for others. The question here for the Sixers is, you spent over a hundred million on Al Horford and you're sending him to the bench. I didn't like the Al Horford move to begin with, not because Al Horford's not a good player. He's played well everywhere he's been. I didn't like it because starting him and Embiid immediately created spacing issues. Yes, Al Horford has the ability to shoot the three, but he doesn't shoot it at the level of a Dirk or a Przingis or somebody like that. And the Sixers were terrible in transition defense because of Embiid and Al Horford. I think whenever you have Horford, Embiid, and Simmons on the floor at the same time, they're going to always be spacing issues. Putting Simmons at the four, some people call it the roller or the dunking position, I think it will open up Embiid more, but he has to remain aggressive. Remember, in the playoffs, it's more about half-court execution, and that has not been the strength of the Sixers. I like the move, but I don't think it ultimately changes who's going to come out of the East. To be clear, I am not diminishing the talent or the potential of the player he could develop into when it comes to Ben Simmons. What I am saying is, is that chemistry is something that is either there or it isn't. It can be developed, but it can't be forced. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are both gifted, talented individual players. But when you watch them play at times, there is a struggle, maybe a power struggle, but what you notice right off is they don't have a natural chemistry. Moving Simmons to the four, I think it could bring some energy. It could unlock him as well as other players. I also think there will be moments versus certain teams where him being at the four, the offense will struggle. I want to remind you that when they lost in the playoffs last season to the Raptors in the conference semis, their leading scorer was Jimmy Butler. Their leading assist guy was Jimmy Butler, not Ben Simmons, because Jimmy Butler can get his own shot. 
Jimmy Butler has a jump shot, a fadeaway, a post game. He has the ability to take you off the dribble, get to the foul line. Ben Simmons is terrific in the open floor. He's pretty good in the post, but he is limited. And until he and Joel Embiid really put in the work, not just on their individual games, but the tandem that they could be. At times you look at them and you realize they could dominate, not just the East, but they could be one of the dominant teams in the NBA if their two best players ever get on the same page consistently. So let's start with accolades. Paul George is a six-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA, four-time All-NBA defense. He won the Most Improved Player Award in 2012-2013. For his career, 19 points, six rebounds, three assists, 38% from three, 84% from the line. This season, 21 points, six rebounds, four assists, 43% from the field, just under 40% from three. PG-13 is one of the most versatile players in the NBA. And while he didn't have an overnight ascension when he first came into the league, he did make the all-rookie team in his first season. His second year, he averaged 12 points a game. And then he made the leap and became the most improved player in the NBA, made the all-star team, averaged 17 points, seven rebounds, four assists, two steals. That Paul George, that young man, that guy was the best player on a team that met the Miami Heat in two conference finals. One of them taking them to seven games. And it's not a crime to lose to a player who most would consider top five, if not higher, all time. I think what happened was Paul George came out. That was like his coming out game. And it surprised a lot of people, especially the way he went at LeBron, the way he was aggressive, the confidence, the talent, that one dunk he got. I think that made everybody come out their seats. So there were high expectations and he didn't disappoint the next season. He just averaged just under 22 points a game. Then competing for the national team, he has a devastating injury. Everybody knows when you have that type of leg injury, it's going to be anywhere between 18 and 24 months. So he misses all of 2014, 2015. He comes back in 2015, 2016, plays 81 games, averages 23 points, seven rebounds, forces, two steals, reestablishes himself as an all-star and one of the great wing defenders in the NBA. His final season with the Pacers, 24 points, six rebounds, three assists, another all-star trip. And then of course they make the deal. He gets sent to OKC. On paper, he and Russ, dynamic duo. You're thinking OKC is about to do a remix and become a power again. And that never really quite happened. Those two great individual talents, they never really had any chemistry. Paul George didn't play bad as a member of the Thunder. Matter of fact, 
his first year, 22 points, six rebounds, three assists, two steals, another all-star visit. The, the last season with the Thunder, career high, 28 points, eight rebounds, four assists, over two steals, 38% from three. Paul George was an MVP candidate in 2018-2019. It looked like he was back on track to elevate to superstar status. And what happened both times in OKC was they came up short in the playoffs. That's not just on him. That's also on Russ, and that's also on Billy Donovan. But if you're Paul George and you're that guy, talent-wise, you can't let Joe Ingles get at you. You can't let Joe Ingles in big moments lock you down on defense and find a way to score on you on offense. It's one of those weird things. If you compared Paul George to Jimmy Butler, most people would agree that Paul George is the more talented player. He might even put up better overall numbers. But if Jimmy Butler was being guarded by Joe Ingles, he would eat him alive. I know Paul George is the more talented player, but there's that dog, that, that something that at times with him, it's just not there. And that's just not my thinking. There are other fans that see what I see. Like Teddy Lee, he says, I think PG is a little bit overrated. When you let Joe Ingles guard, I just talked about this. He said, Paul George actually didn't disappoint that much, I'd say. He's like Scottie Pippen in terms of being a really great star on the verge of being a superstar, but lacks that something, that kind of dominance that separates you from other stars. Agree 100%. As a number one option, as a franchise player, if you're looking at him in that light, he's probably a little bit overrated. But if you're looking at him the way I look at him, from the gate, even when he got that tomahawk dunk off on LeBron, I was looking at that Pacer team. There's no question he was the best player. But I was wondering, did he have another gear and another level? And you're looking at him now fully recovered, talented, putting up numbers. But I don't think Paul George has the mentality of an alpha. But as a second option, I think as a second option, he can play with house money. I think as a second option, that's more in his lane. Much love to Russ, a beast, relentless. But Kawhi is a better player. PG-13 is playing with a better alpha. He's playing for a much better coach than Billy Donovan will ever be. The Clippers top to bottom they can go 12 deep so this is a deep team if this NBA season not only restarts they're able to play it to its conclusion of course the Lakers and the Clippers with their dynamic duels should be favored to win the West and if the Clippers should go to the finals should they win a title I have no doubt Paul George will play well. I have no doubt he'll put up numbers in that Robin role to Kawhi's Batman. 
So in the big picture, when I look at a guy with the resume he already has, remember, he's got more time to add to his NBA story. Overrated is a tough term when you're looking at somebody that's played the way he's played to put up the number he's put up and come back from the injury he's come back for. If you're trying to compare him dynamic-wise to a LeBron, that's kind of unfair, or even to a Kevin Durant. I saw somebody make the analogy that Clay was more clutch. That seems like a different conversation altogether. If you're asking me if we're looking at them as individual talents, Paul George is the better talent. But has Clay proven himself on the biggest stage and been clutch? No question. I've asked you all this before. I know Steph is the man. I know it's his squad. I know he's the two-time MVP. They're the Splash Brothers. But that name, that moniker, that city, that team, that's Steph's team. That said, who's more clutch? I've put it out there, Steph or Clay. But I digress. I don't think Paul George is overrated. I think when you call someone a top 15 player and you mean it like an insult, that just doesn't come off as an insult. I'm looking at you, looking at your career, and the worst thing I can say about you is you're one of the top 15 players in the NBA. And right now, you're playing alongside a guy who's one of the top three players in the NBA. So I say your future looks bright. Does Paul George need to atone for some past playoff failures? And that was from Franklin J. Yes. I, look, in the end, when we started comparing great players, you've got their numbers, you get their stats, their trips to the All-Star, All-NBA, MVPs. And then we come back to... Did they win? Not just in the regular season, but did they win? Did they win titles? Because when you're starting to look at the best of the best, you nitpick. And numbers, they're a starting point, but they can't be everything. Paul George has had a terrific career, but he's yet to come up big on the biggest stage. You've got a young, talented point guard who can score buckets like Trey Young or penetrate and create and attack the rim like John Morant. And free agency is coming. You've got money to spend. And you're looking to pair your talented point guard with a wing. And you have your choice between Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Clay Thompson, and Ben Simmons, which one do you pair with your young point guard? And tell me why. Appreciate everybody listening. If I sound a little off, it's because I'm a little bit under the weather, but I'm soldiering through. It's the NBA Cypher. Next time.